Welcome back to the pod. <laughs> We're not late. You are. It's called building hype, Ollie. Again, it's called building hype. Exactly. As always, it's Oliver, and I'm joined by Anna. Hello. The always on time, Anna. Hello. Yeah, always prepared. And then we're also joined by another special, a very special, if you will, guest, um, our friend Colin Seltzer. Hey, Colin. Thanks, Anna. Good to be here. So happy to have you. Um, how are you? How are you doing? Tell all of our fans. They're so, they want to know. Oh, well, yeah, man. I've been, um, it's been a uh, speedy recovery since Vegas. <laughs> uh, I've made it a point to not do anything that special uh, for the past two weeks just because that was fucking insane and I did sleep and liver recovery my sleep schedule was fucked up for like like two weeks Uh, but I think I'm back like I feel good like I'm ready to ready to repeat nice nice cool and Anna how was your week after recovering from Vegas you kind of touched on it last week as well yeah, I uh, call it. I I feel you with the sleep schedule and like the liver recovery because like Vegas. I was telling Ollie last week, like literally almost destroyed me mentally and physically. Um, it was good. I just got back from a abortion rights protest. That's what you had me. You invited me on the podcast to talk about, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Ollie yeah, that, the Met Gala, the NHL playoffs, which one? Any, oh, we can, can definitely any. talk about the Met Gala. I've been all in on the Met Gala drama, bro. Those outfits were trash this year. Also, wasn't like, wasn't last year's Met Gala like two days ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. also that. I, I, like, people were freaking out about the AOC dress, like, oh like my God. two weeks. I honestly don't <laughs> even know who, how the Met Gala even works. I don't like, who, it just, it seems like a bunch of people with like absolute, like just so incredibly out of touch with what to wear. That's what it looks like every year. Um, and there's a theme, but no one goes as the theme, which is the link. If you are that person who shows up to a party out of theme, you get roasted. But these people are so rich that they've never been to a party. So they don't know how that's how it works. That's the vibe I get from the Met Gala. They've never been invited to a house party because they're too rich. Yeah, like a themed house party. Anyway. Um, Sorry, Anna, what were you saying? No, I was just (laughs) asking how your week was. How's school? Oh, um, yeah, school started again this week. Actually, I just had a class tonight and uh, my teacher is Russian and it's like a hacking class. So he's a plant. Yeah, I think he's a plant. Um, He's he's really cool, though. He talks very, very fast. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, this week has been very, uh, I would say very melancholic because, uh, I am starting school again. And so I have like gone back to like no free time. And also a bunch of my friends are moving away this week, like oh. India and Andres, all these people are moving away. So it's like, I want to spend time with these people because they're leaving, but I can't because I'm in school. Yeah. I'm so conflicted. Um, but busy, very, very busy. So mm. that's why we're late. In brief, that's why we're late. We apologize for being a little late with this one, but uh, it, it was my fault, though. Like, I, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it was one hundred percent Anna's fault. I was ready, you know, anytime. <laughs> anytime. I could have done this last Sunday. <laughs> it was also just too nice on Sunday. Like, we're not going to waste that. No, know, agreed, agreed. It was, it was if too you good. Were in Montreal, you know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's talk film, shall we? Let's talk. 
Let's let's um, turkey this week because we have a guest. Colin chose our film for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, he picked No Country for Old Men. Fantastic film. Fabulous um, film. Colin, do you want to give us the synopsis of this film? Try and keep it succinct. Okay. So um, contractor or free, yeah, freelance contractor is his official title. They don't really exactly say what that means or what, um, you know, what he actually exactly does with that contract. But he stumbles upon a drug deal gone wrong. He stumbles upon about uh, $2 million cash in a briefcase. Um, and then um, the cartel hires uh, Anton. Why the fuck do I not know his last name? The, the cartel hires Anton, played by uh, Javier Bardem, to hunt down this, uh, hunt down Llewellyn Moss uh, in order to get the cash back. And throughout their chase, uh, we find out that uh, Anton is this crazy psycho, uh, psychopathic villain who just kills everyone he sees and is just so nonchalant about it. Uh, and then the rest of the movie is just uh, the chase of these two and the, you know, and the events proceeding. Um, yeah, is there any other, is there anything I missed with that description? It, it, uh, well, there's a third storyline about the cop who's like way behind everyone else, right? Like Tommy Lee oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. has absolutely no fucking idea what's going on and is so bad at keeping up. And I thought that that whole, in rewatching it, that storyline almost feels unnecessary to the plot. Well, it's like yeah, it's this cop who's a sheriff of this random ass yeah. small town. And then he's tasked with like, like stopping this weird drug deal gone wrong case that goes way out of control but somehow like he he's he like never makes it he's always one step behind it feels like and he never no he never succeeds at anything i feel like he is the old man like the old man that there's no country like obviously that part is well that that's it precisely because at the end he says um i'm getting too old for this Mm-hmm. yeah and that's how the movie ends <laughs> yeah um and we can we can talk more about that a little bit later i feel like that's a little bit deeper of a conversation to have about this film but i guess yeah, to, yeah, start of course. Our, to start that's a good synopsis so let's now start our conversation about the film uh we'll start with you colin what yeah. you're like pro for this movie what's your like when you want to get someone to watch this movie what do you tell them is a selling feature of this film well it's one of the the interesting part of this film is they make a lot of very like normal, normal seeming activities uh, really suspenseful and really like you're on the edge of your seat for him in a hardware store uh, or like him in, in a motel room like wrapping tape. Like there's, it's kind of like it doesn't follow any of the the main uh, like archetypes of any sort of movie that you've ever watched before. Um, it's not a happily ever after. It's not like good guy versus bad guy. It's not, um, you know, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel good at the end. It doesn't make you, you know, there's a hero in the story. It's just two like really, really good actors 
uh, not, a, you know, there's no music in the film the entire time. So it's a very like experimental, uh, experimental, uh, like cinema technique. Um, and it just like, it's just extremely captivating. And plus there's, you know, a, a psychopath murderer is always entertaining. Yeah, totally. So Javier Bardem is your pro. Oh, sorry. Your thing was the pro. I thought you ended with like, why do you think this movie? Like, what's your pitch for this movie? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Javier, steer your, your yeah, no. Javier Bardem is absolutely the pro of this movie. Him, his monologues, um, the way he talks to people, uh, the way he conducts himself, the way you know. There's a lot of psychopath murderers in movies, but this guy, for some reason, is like one of the scariest ones. Yeah. Um, and and just like. Uh, you know, the, the reason I picked this movie, I think you, you you asked Matt that. I think you're going to probably end up asking me this. It's just because um, when I was probably like 12 years old or 13 years old was the first time I watched this movie. And that like, what's the most you lost in a coin toss monologue was the most captivating thing to me for some reason, even though I wasn't like really, con you know, at 13 years old or 12, you're not really conscious of the fact that like, I remember Many studying things. that scene in in my high school film class. We we had like a a top uh, like a one module on westerns. Yeah, ended with this, and and this kind of goes back to what you're saying about how like it doesn't it defies a lot of your expectations. Um, and and the reason we studied this one was because it kind of defies all your expectations of what it means to be a western. Um, in that. It's not the story of a hero chasing a villain down. It's the story of a villain chasing a hero down, mm -hmm. which is awesome. But the scene in particular that you're referring to where he's flipping a coin and, and what's really cool about that scene and, and it's amazing about this, the, the screenplay, like the writing of the film and the direction, but mostly the writing is that um, it's all about perspective, right? Like if you observe that scene and the dialogue in that scene from the perspective of the cashier you don't know what javier bardem is going to do to him if he loses the coin toss he just kind of implies something bad right but the only context you need is everything you've seen prior to that scene the only reason that if you if you started the film with that scene it would make no sense you would not understand the tension what creates the tension in that scene is the fact that you know that this guy is a fucking crazy person who will literally like air pump this dude in the head in one second well, well speaking of the air pump they kind of put the audience in that situation to start it out because mm -hmm. i mean i don't know about you but i wasn't uh that you know when i first watched it i wasn't that familiar that an air pump could be used as a deadly weapon so <laughs> when i see so when he can kill someone yeah so when he pulls over the guy and you're like why the fuck is he pulling some random dude over and then he just, he says, okay, step out of the car one second. And then the guy's like, what? And then he just dies. You're like, okay, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> this guy's not to be fucked. So, yeah. so like, yeah, all that fear that you carry from that scene to the cashier scene, the cashier has no idea what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's scarier. Like it's even scarier because you are afraid for him. And I think that's just a fantastic Mm -hmm. uh, way to build suspense. And then, and, and this carries on throughout the whole film, I think. Um, but yeah, Anna, what is your pro of this film? My pro, um, Rose. 
Okay, yes, I have two, and I couldn't narrow it down because um, both of them are, like, equally as good in my mind. So number one is just very general. I love how, like, the movie sense of humor is super dry. You know what I mean? Um, It's very, like, like you said, calm. Like, the end doesn't make you feel good. Like, it's very ambiguous. It's very, like, in, in like not ambiguous but it's like morally ambiguous is what I should say the whole movie kind of um and then also looping back I love how um um the scene with Javier Bardem and the wife you never really know what happens it's very like open-ended so I really like that yeah what about you Ollie um I'm trying to think of something that wasn't already mentioned. We've already said so much about the film in the first 10 minutes of this pod. I think <laughs> kind of going back to what I just said about the how, how it kind of plays with your expectations. I think that uh, um, I, I to context this, I also recently watched like an interview with uh, Robert Eggers and he was talking about how when he's writing uh, whether it be like The Witch or um, his new film, The Nor- Northman, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 the Scandinavian one. Mm-hmm. He writes not intending it to be any specific genre, but cognizant that it is referring to these like tropes that exist in film genres and that uh, it's the job of the writer, the, of the director, of the actors, of everyone involved in, in this kind of a medium to be cognizant of those expectations and then fuck with them because that's what makes good film. And this film put, when I watched this film after hearing that interview was just hyper aware of how effective that tool is in storytelling, especially in filmmaking. And I think that you could tell someone that this is just like a modern Western, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't do justice to what it really is. Cause it's more than that. It's like a thriller it's a almost pulp fictiony MacGuffin drug lo- storyline, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's so many uh, movies that this film shares or, and pays uh, like, like homage to, and yet shits all over all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so ro- like fucking metal and so rock star of this film <laughs> to do. Um, so that's, that was, that was such a good way of explaining it. Just like understanding that there's all of these uh, tropes that that go on in a Western movie. Um, and Especially this Western, one, like Westerns are like the most cliche of any genre yeah. in, I think, cinema. Because they probably, they push it about a hundred years later than most Western movies, mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, like they, they use some form of technology, which a lot of Western movies don't. Uh, they, like, and the yeah, weapons like are unconventional. The, yeah. the way he just like kills them without saying anything. Like, you know, in the Western, there's always like your last words and then you shoot them. <laughs> he doesn't say yeah. anything. He just... Yeah. But we don't even see the most important death in the movie. We don't even see happen. Yeah. Yes. They're just dead. So true. That's a good point. Wow. Yeah. Um, so Colin, what is your thorn? If you had to choose one, I'm going to force you to. <laughs> oh no this one's easy uh my thorn is that the wife is just like a complete wet blanket it's yeah. like it's just like oh no the Gwendolyn, don't do that that's dangerous like oh no and then like but like doesn't do anything about it and like 
I mean, uh, you know, they like basically they don't make her interesting at all. It's just like, oh no, you're you're not gonna come home, right? Or like, you're gonna come home, right? Please, Luella. Like, yeah. It's like obviously no fault of her, like you know whatever. Like the actress did what the actress did. It's just they wrote her in to be this like nothing character. Literally the the grandmother, or I guess her mother. No, that's totally not a grandmother, but that's like far more interesting. Being like, do you know who I know in El Paso? Know about it. <laughs> it is. It kind of is a missed opportunity to again play with your expectations like in a western the like damsel in distress wife you know is a trope but yeah. it's also just a trope in this film that they don't do anything interesting with that and i feel like that's just such a missed opportunity you don't even see her that much towards the latter half of the film carla jean what about you anna thorn um yeah okay so I, I was going to say that one, Colin, about how Carla Jean is like very wet blanket-y, if you will. But then I started thinking and, okay, so the Coen brothers, the directors, are obviously super famous and celebrated. However, I don't know how I feel about them. Like they're a little too cheeky sometimes. They're a little too like glib. And I also think, to your point, Ollie, that they're really good at um, kind of like raising and cutting and burning all these like regular tropes um, or like experimenting with them. However, I think when good directors do that, they sometimes um, compromise too much of the narrative structure in favor of like trying to twist and turn your expectations. So Colin, like you said, like you don't even see the most important character's death. Like, I found this movie very sort of unfulfilling from a plot standpoint, if that makes sense. Mm. But yeah, that's my thorn. And yours, Oliver? Mine, I think. Um, the, especially the, the end of the film. I find is very like kind of going off you what you just said, Anna, like it, it, the ending for me is just not satisfying enough. Mm. There's not enough resolution. There's not enough, you know, horror. There's not enough, like, like there's no plot mechanism that is like definitive to any storyline, any, like any of the plot, any of the characters, any of the, even the like even the 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 MacGuffin, right? The, the the suitcase full of money. Like you don't really know what happens to it. Like you know he recovers it, but that's basically like there's no resolution. And I think part of that is um, this is based on a Cormac McCarthy novel. Hmm. And Cormac McCarthy, I don't know if you guys have ever read Cormac McCarthy. His books are all like journey and not about the destination. Like those on books the road. end. Yeah, the road, bro. The road. Well, the road is terrifying. We could talk about the the movie adaptation of the road is actually pretty sick, and like terrifying. Oh shit! I've never I seen it. It's one. really, really good. It's actually like very similar vibes to this film in terms of like how it's shot, the acting, the writing, the directing. Cormac McCarthy storytelling is very specific in my brain, um, because it is like all about the journey. There's no, there's no ending that is satisfying and so let's just fucking give up let's just not end on <laughs> an, on anything let's just end it fuck this somewhere <laughs> fuck it and that's just how this film ends it kind of just like ends with this like monologue and you're like 
Uh, uh, now what? Like, okay. <laughs> and especially if you were like, kind of like, I have seen this monologue before. I've heard the the dialogue before. So like, I'm looking for, you know, like, is he, you know, being extra poetic about something that happened in this film? Is he like alluding to what's the, the what, sh- what we're not seeing is the ending? Is he, you know, being very philosophical about what the meaning of this film is like, no, he is none of those things. He's just saying, you know, he's, he's delivering a monologue and then the film cuts to black. And I was like, "Eh, okay. Um, (laughs) But that doesn't take away from how fun the ride is, you know, like that's just the ending. It's just kind of a huge bummer for me. No, man, there's a hundred moments where it's like, oh shit, like, okay, he found the tracker. Now, now let's see. Like, okay, he had some, he knew he was coming. He moved to another hotel. Okay, like, you know, m- maybe it could go either way. Like, he, they meet, they shoot each other, they don't die. He keeps going. Okay, this is, yeah. That shit's crazy, dude. Like, yeah. the cat and mouse game in, in this film is one of my favorite, like, cat and mouse chases in, a, in any film. It's so scary. And it's crazy too, like how, uh, as an audience member, how much of like your perspective and like who you are rooting for changes what kind of movie it is, right? Because this, yeah. if this, if the roles are reversed, this is like a triumphant hero movie, and you're like, yeah, fucking shoot him, yes, die, bitch. <laughs> but because the rules are reversed, you're like, ah, like no, don't get him, <laughs> like. Like Llewellyn's not a triumphant hero. He's just some dude who found some money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like... Um, so Colin, as yeah. this movie's connoisseur and as having seen it many times, do you have any trivia or like cool facts about this film? Or do you yeah, have yeah, favorite like scenes, like that parts too, of the yeah, movie he... that you love? Like, I'm very interested. Oh, no, I think so. I mentioned the coin toss part and like the speech that he gave and like how it's, it's extremely suspenseful, but like, you know, he's, he's answering, he's like really harassing this dude for no reason. Um, and just like some simple gas station owner or whatever. And he's just like really fucking with him in a way that's really scary. Uh, the other part is like, yeah, like you said you like hated the whole dry sense of humor part in the middle when he's um, he's like finding all of his tools uh, I, I just, I don't know, I really loved how suspenseful they made him, like, going to a hardware store, him talking with the motel clerk, him with, like, you know, just him doing, like, all these normal, sh- all this normal shit and having all these, like, random conversations, but you're still, like, holy shit, like, what's going to happen next? Like, where is he going to put the money? What's he going to do? Um, and, and just, like, and then meanwhile, he's chasing him, like, the scene where he, like, is driving like this you know with the, where the tracker's beeping and then you yeah. see his like face light up and you're like oh my god what the fuck is gonna happen um and then um yeah finally like when you finally find that he's dead you're like it's still like you knew he was gonna die or there was a high chance that he was gonna die in the film but you're still like really freaked out you have no idea that it was gonna come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just found a crazy freaking fact about this film. Do you want me to? It's fucking real. Yeah. So the, in the novel that Cormac McCarthy wrote, uh, it's based in 1970 or 1980. In the, in the novel, there's like a reference to the fact that the, 
some drug dealers in San Antonio shot and killed a federal judge. And that's part of the storyline. I think they might even reference it in the film, but there's a, that's a direct quote from the novel. Yeah. In 1979, in San Antonio, Texas, there was a federal judge named John Howland Wood who was shot and killed Slay. by a contract killer. The name of that contract killer was Charles Harrelson, who is Woody Harrelson's father. What the fuck? No. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up. Charles Harrelson was a contract killer. Oh. Oh, my God. And his son has a love of acting. Look it up. Google it. Like, he straight up has a mugshot. Like, he is the father of Woody Harrelson, who is in this movie and plays the contract killer. Oh my god, what? Absolutely bonkers. Bonks. That is a crazy. (laughs) Oh my god. We should do like an outtakes uh, section with Ollie just voice testing all the little things (laughs) on his voice box. Um, Do the deep voice one. (gasps) The deep voice one? Yeah, and say how much have you lost in a coin toss. How much you've lost in a coin toss. (laughs) Didn't work. Didn't hit. It didn't. It didn't hit. No. Well, I, well, it just didn't. It didn't work for the. Like, it didn't intimidate me. Oh uh, shit. Sorry. Uh, I. I, but anyways, I, I, I don't hear it, so I don't know what I sound like. We'll only hear this in the post. The film was shot most. I have trivia. The film was shot mostly in Las Vegas. Whoa. In Las Vegas, New Mexico. Wait, there's a. <laughs> there's a Las Vegas, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> New York, Ontario. <laughs> okay, wow this trivia is, is bussin yeah amazing no, well okay here's another good one um according to a 2018 business insider article um they study they got a group of psychiatrists to study 126 psychopathic characters or psychopathic film characters and antoine anton's you know, played by javier bardem was the most accurate to uh, the portrayal of a psychopath to any of these 126 characters. Wow. I was just going to say, it's very crazy that even in a film with an all-star cast like this, Javier Bardem still blows them all out of the water. We already mentioned this, but like... Oh, he also... He's the first Spanish person to win an Oscar. Really? So that's crazy because he won in 2008. Yeah. Like, that's unbelievably recent. And there's never been a Spanish-speaking, or he's he's Spanish-American. He's Spanish. He... No, 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 like Spanish, 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 Spanish. Oh, wow. yeah. That is a cool um, one. I have here. This was the first Oscar-winning film to be edited using Final Cut Pro. Um, yeah. So, I'm basically I'm basically a director because I use iMovie to edit the podcast footage. So. <laughs> that was the connection that you were referring to earlier. Yes. <laughs> so when you're editing with this like weird picture frame thing with the like mini uh, cutouts of our faces, that's yeah, you're gonna be using the same software. We're in a gallery. Okay, major ill, major ick alert in the book. Uh, Llewellyn and Carla. Carla Jean are 36 and 19 years old. Oh my fucking god. I did not know that. Sorry, they've already been married for three years. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned that. Nightmare. They're like, text, text. What up? Oh, 
a crazy film that's also an homage to one of my favorite films is that the case of money used in this film was the same case used in Fargo, which is a Coen brothers. Is that the and one definitely with the a film which is... or the one yeah, yeah. The Iranian? The Woodchipper. Oh, dude. If the we... other most famous Coen brother film. We gotta do Fargo on the pod. It's one of my favorite movies. I love it. You should definitely do Fargo on the pod. Okay, wait, I confuse that. I, I confuse Fargo and Argo all the time. Ben they are completely different. <laughs> you know, Not similar at all. You know that I would not pick a Ben Affleck film as one of my top films. Another, uh, <laughs> both this and Argo, but not Fargo, one best picture. Oh. Yeah, but Argo. So that's how much of a, a sham the Oscars are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie won Best Picture. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm curious what other films were up that year. That year was, uh, well, the reason, like, I remember this year specifically because that was one of the only years that I watched either, like, not all of them, but most of them and, like, had a really informed opinion on which Oscar winner. It was Michael Clayton, I think The Departed, There Will Be Blood, um, now we can Google the rest because I just I'm remember Googling those three right specific. Now. Yeah, and I this usually I'm like fuck that the Oscars like they make the wrong movie, but this one like hundred percent. Okay, so we had uh, there will be blood. Juno, Juno. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> nice. Uh, Michael Clayton. What the fuck? <laughs> and atonement. Which I don't remember seeing. Uh, Kira Knightley and uh, James McAvoy, I think, movie with the hmm. green dress, and he's like in a war. Um, cinematography. Wow, that won. It won a lot of. Awards. Yeah, I think and Javier Bardem is, was the first person to win like an Academy Award, a BAFTA, a Golden Globe. And there is one more that I'm forgetting. With like the British Academy or whatever the whatever that awards show is. Yes. Um, there were only five nominees that year. The, I feel like this year there was like 12. I didn't even get. The- oh, it's, it, it's gotten out of control. It used to be like five to six nominees. And now it's like, yeah, 12. I was going to say the Academy should just be the three of us. And the Academy should absolutely be the three of us. Yeah. The Academy should entirely be based on my letterbox. <laughs> what it's just one only? person's letterbox. I would never, ever take bribes for my Academy vote. Ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, does anyone else have any more cool trivia? Um, well, so I read about this a little bit when I was doing some background research, apparently. And I haven't read the book, but I'm very interested in reading the book at some point but apparently it's like very true to the book it like like things happen in the same order a lot of dialogue is taken out which i think is very cool that it was able to translate over so well i like when when i think cormac mccarthy does that to his adaptations because even the road is quite faithful in the goriest way possible uh quite faithful to the to the book this whole podcast is you hyping yourself up for a Cormac McCarthy podcast. That you're eventually gonna good, do. Uh, it's honestly like kind of fucked that they make you read those books in high school, though, because it was pretty violent and disturbing 
books. They're I read like The Outsiders in high school. Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not his. Yeah, that's not his. That's not what I'm referring to. Although that is a good book. Um, is a good book. I reading. I was reading the Bible in high school because some of us. Same. I was also <laughs> deep in the Bible. Frankenstein. That's another one I read in high school. Oh, that's cool. What? Yeah. I read the Iliad, which is just a lot of dudes banging, from what I remember. Oh my god! Read the entire Iliad. That's like, and the Odyssey. Whoa, those are like both number one, like really long and really difficult English classics. Well, because they were you're like Greek, Colin. Oh, <laughs> you're like way smarter than me just by the fact that you read that in like grade eleven. I don't remember any of it though. Last trivia from me. So Josh Brolin and Javier Bardem both play like important characters in this movie. And 14 years later, they reunited in the best movie of 2021, which was Dune. Let's (laughs) fucking go. Which is cool. That's That's a cool little thing. That is a cool. Um, (sighs) Right, because he's Gurney Halleck. I was about to say, who was, like, what what role... uh, what role was Josh Brolin? But now I realize, damn. And there's what, what role did uh, what role did Josh Brolin do in? Uh, there's another really famous movie in 2020 that Josh Brolin did. Oh, let me let me look. Or maybe it was 2019. Let me. Ooh. Josh Brolin was in. Uh, also, can we talk about Avengers? how cool the name Llewellyn is? Yes, he was in the Avengers. He was Thanos. Oh, true. He's <laughs> Thanos. He's a great Thanos. Team. Yeah. Like, well, like I mean, obviously you can't recognize him in the CGI, but yeah, he's a great Thanos. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, he's a really good Thanos. All right. Well, let's pivot away from trivia, shall we? Shall we? Should we rate this film on ten? Nay. Colin, Colin, you can start. Yep. This is your pick. So, what would you give this on ten, and why? Um, I would give this, I give it an 8.5. The 1.5, like the 8.5 is because when they are in the suspense of the chase, like you are, I'm fully engaged. Um, and it's completely different, uh, like, you know, plot structure than any other movie that you've ever seen. Uh, and, and it's especially different plot, plot structure than a Western movie. Um, the reason I, I wouldn't give it like a nine or a 10 is because, yeah, like it ends super anticlimactically. Um, there's a lot of characters that really could have been worked into the plot that weren't. Um, they, yeah, like any of the female characters are just like kind of there um, and aren't interesting. Uh, and they, oh yeah, we, another thing we didn't touch on is like they, for whatever reason, they both like pay some kid $500 for a shirt um, and like, but there was no, like, they didn't, there was no finality to that part. Like, there there didn't seem like there was any purpose to having them both do that. Um, and, yeah, both, like, he just, like, at the end, he just runs away. Like, we don't really know what happens to him. We don't know how what happens to the money. Um, but, yeah, like, other than that, I think the acting was phenomenal. The, you know, the set design was phenomenal. Um, and, like, very suspenseful. Cool. 7.5. That's, uh. Or 8. 8.5. Come on, 8. come on. 5. All right. 8.5 <laughs> 8. is a really good score. Uh, that's an A at McGill. That's an A at McGill. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, honestly, 
Colin, that you brought up some really good points. So I thought I had a rating in my mind, but now I'm like, I might adjust it. I would say like a solid 7.5, probably, or maybe eight, just because like this movie has so many unique things about it. So many great scenes. And then so many things that just like fall a little flat, like the female characters or just like, like the lack of, uh, definitive ending so yeah like 7.58 I love a western you know what I'm gonna bump it up to eight yeah yeah damn uh I'm gonna give it a seven Ooh. uh it gets a seven because the action sequences are insane like very yeah, absolutely impressive mm-hmm. even for a movie in 2008 very impressive um the the goriness and like when he operates the like pulls the bullet out of himself at the end oh oh yeah that is crazy um so yeah so the action sequences alone get it bump that score up the cast bumps that score up the breaking all the conventions gets that score up but as i did mention it falls flat and it ends flat and even Mm -hmm. though i think that's deliberate i think that that is a shortcoming um, and I also do agree that the lack of any kind of interesting female characters, not only is it bo- does it make a pretty manly movie even more pronounced like manly, you know, yeah. Uh, but it also just it, it's a failure to recognize that that is a trope that you should have broke. That Ooh. seems obvious to me that like there should have been a woman that fucking wrecks both of them. You know, and steals the money or something. Like, yeah, can you imagine if the wife killed killed Anton? Like, what if? Uh, I and I always, honestly like. I know that there's not much room to wiggle because this is based on a book and it's trying to be faithful to a book. And I'm sure that the book is equally as anti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uninclusive to to women, but it would have been cool if the ending had some kind of like, or even some like elderly like you know wise old lady character i think would be a cool way to break the trope of the wise old man which is a trope in in uh western films to have like a wise old lady like the grandma i thought that they were referring to the mother or the grandma or whatever and that she was going to be a big character and then this time watching it again i was like man that is such a missed opportunity to have a more uh a more developed character than what you see on screen so for that seven Solid film, but with its flaws. I think yeah. Yeah. I was I was thinking about like why I like this movie so much and like why I liked it when I was that young. And like now that I think about it, it's literally just because um, like yeah, I liked violence and I thought my tastes were a little more refined. <laughs> Your god complex. Your individual. Yeah, literally. I'm like, no, I don't like Transformers. I like this. <laughs> it's like really indie film that won Best Picture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All um, right. So, Colin, do you have any recommendations? We any recommendations to- for your next movie? No, no, it doesn't have to be a film. It could be literally anything. It could be a book. It could be a TV show. It could be an activity. Just it something you're anything. enjoying right now. Oh, okay. So I made a list before I was like trying to decide. Um, what... Can you read the whole list? <laughs> sure. Um... <laughs> I had um... 
<laughs> I had some funny ones that are on this list. Uh, I wanted to do something like so fucking weird, and or I thought like a possibility would be to do something so weird and random. So one of the ones I have is uh, Pride and Prejudice, uh, <laughs> uh, Gone with the Wind. Yo, random. Okay. Exactly. Like I think those two, just because of how random and like they're not exactly movies that the three of us are we're super into, but are really really famous movies. Um, I think there could be at least some like like even if we even if we hate it like it could still be fun to shit on it or like just be like why the fuck was this so famous why did everyone care about this uh, Psycho was another one that's like you know old oh, and famous dude, or Psycho is so good mm-hmm. you can not not American Psycho you guys have done that no, but no, like we're I'm talking... talking like Alfred Hitchcock Psycho <laughs> yeah, yeah. and White Psycho that shit is still scary that's a yeah. good movie damn and then I also have uh, the next ones are yeah Fargo um, No Country for Old Men. I think you guys would do recommended No Country for Old Men after. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I uh, seven. Um, the Finch. Uh, Memento. The Finch. Oh, that's and, a good one. That's a good one. And um, A Beautiful Mind, which I haven't watched that yet, oh. but I think that would be um, that's one that I've been meaning to watch, and this would be a good ex- good excuse for me to have watched. Uh, you should definitely still watch it. That's a really, really good film. Uh, no, I definitely will. That's a great list of movies. Cool. That's like a very, like, people who haven't I seen would have any been okay of those. with any of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nice. Um, yeah, so any closing remarks? Abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Oh, my God. Yes, it should be. Wow. Yeah, it should be. Wow, that's Colin uh, Seltzer for you, everyone. I mean, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, please always, let us know what you thought of No Country for Old Men. Have you seen it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> shameless plug. I wonder. I wonder what this audience thinks of the movie. I feel like there's going to be a lot of haters, and I'm I'm ready Cinema for it. Scum podcast. No, Ollie was kind Instagram. of a hater. He gave it a seven. Yeah, true. Seven? Dude, have you seen my litter box? Seven is a really good score. I'm a harsh critic. I'm the fucking... That's why we're called Cinema Scum. That's why you guys are called Cinema Scum. Cinema haters, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, the the, the Cinema Scum comes from the fact that, like, it is, like, you kind of do feel like a scumbag when you're, like, being pretentious about film. So we were like, fuck it. We're just going to scumbags. We're just going to not care. I own it. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Colin, thank you so much for being a guest. We were yeah. so excited to have you. Like, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. On no, your- thanks for having me. I love being a dick about movies. So, yes, yeah, we knew <laughs> you would be. Yeah. Um, so, and great pick, and yeah, yeah, I'm so glad we all. Yeah, I'm gonna shit on every other guest that comes on. That's that's like half the reason I went was I agreed because because I heard Matt on the podcast and I'm like I gotta one up him. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's actually a good point, though. If you want to be on the pod, hit us up on Instagram. Uh, we are taking suggestions. Uh, we are lining Wait. up guests, so don't be shy. Uh, if you have a movie that you are particularly passionate about, or not, like Colin, we he gave us a list, yeah. and we were like, no, 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 come back with one. <laughs> came back with us. So yeah. Um, on that note. Until next time. Until next Bye, time. Guys. Hello. Bye. 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 Nice to see you. It's been a long time. You're just as lovely as you.
Are you happy? Hope you're doing fine Just to know it Means so much to me What's that, darling? How am I doing? Guess I'm doing all right Except I can't sleep And I cry all night till dawn 